We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Podcast this episode 112 of the pod. Oh, you know what that means. It is after dark. Matthew Rooney, joined by Joe Musso. Matt, how we doing? Uh, I, I you you strategically waited to crack your drink and yeah, yeah, like yeah. I couldn't wait. You're already getting a little frosty. And as you said, uh, let, let's let the people, let the good listeners know what we're, what we're sipping on here. What are you, what are you having? Uh, you know, I got, thanks to a friend of the pod, Matt Siegert, who, uh, his parents uh-huh. have a lake house up in Wisconsin. I'm, uh, I'm drinking a new Glarus uh, Moonman from the only in Wisconsin brewery. He's, a, he's my guy. He smuggles them over the border for me for, uh, uh, for a small fee. Sounds a lot better than the trash I'm drinking, as you so eloquently put it. Uh, you are headed to a vacation. I am coming off of one, so you know, trying to uh, trying to slowly get back on the wagon. Uh, yeah. Perhaps uh, we had a little unhealthy weekend, but I had a good time back in Chicago. I'm having a truly hard seltzer. What flavor? Uh, no, no free ads, but we are having a grapefruit. It is actually okay. quite refreshing. I'm more of a lime guy, but grapefruit, I, I don't, I, do like I don't dislike. Lime. I don't dislike the now. Now, not to delve too deeply into it here, but are you a truly? Do you have a preference? Are you a truly guy? Are you? A, I don't really uh, have. A, guy? I don't really have I a preference. I think I usually go with white claw. Um, mm-hmm. Not really for any rhyme or reason. I think that's just kind yeah. of the first of the seltzers I started to drink. I think that one's also yeah. getting a little bit sweeter though, or is a little bit sweeter. So I think for me, I'm you getting to the point where I might be getting to the point where I might actually be moving too truly because eventually I don't like the sweetness that kind of goes exactly. away once I start exactly. on something. You're there for the refreshing and healthy exactly. alcoholic beverage, if you can even call it alcoholic. But uh, but uh, it there's is something in there. It is definitely uh, tip, it's it's seltzer season. Tip to the tip to the Moose and Runes listeners. Uh, not not everything from Palm Springs is technically lost. They will bring back a short story here. Uh, Joseph, okay. myself, and Gino, uh, friend of the pod, oh, Gino yeah, Rooney, tried tried shotgunning uh, some truly. We, some, successfully, we successfully shotgunned some white claws. I would uh, not recommend that to anybody. It uh, it burns going down. Yeah, that burns going down the gullet. Try, try, try shotgunning a Sprite, and that's basically what you're doing that's when you're it. shotgunning <laughs> a white claw. It's not that's good. A, it's not good, folks. It's a different bubble you're trying to work down the system there. Exactly. We, we all hey, we all manned up. We all got it done, and no nobody finished early. It was a little bit slower than normal, but we, we all yeah. got the job done. Well, Matt, only the most devout of Moose and Runes listeners uh, will be catching this episode uh, anytime uh, on Wednesday. We are recording this after dark, Wednesday night, hours, uh, not even hours, out an hour before the uh, beginning of the fourth and final major of the season, the Open Championship uh, from Royal Port Rush, teeing off at 10.30 Pacific, which would make that, what, 12.30 your time? Uh, that yeah, would be right. Yeah, two hours. Yeah, good. two hours. That's, that's good math. You've been that's over there long enough. Right there. I, I think you'd know that by now. But yeah, you, yeah, you know the two. the trulies are kicking in. Mm. So uh, so careful. And we're, careful. we're we've never been a math pod. That's right. Uh, but we we're going to dig into a little bit of uh, of open championship talk as well as some buy or sell. We are still in the uh, the doldrums of the slower parts of the season here, but uh, we're still got plenty of content to bring your way. Uh, Matt, I, I want to defer to you here because. 
uh, having walked the grounds of Royal Portrush, just just take me there. So, g- give me a little, give me a little taste of uh, of what the world's best are going to be dealing with this week. It's, I mean, it, it's it's a lot like courses you've seen in the British Open. It's your classic length style. The Windsor, it, it's it's along the coast of uh, what, what is it, the Atlantic Ocean. That'd be the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Um, it's it's really hard to describe, Joe. But I mean, it's it's kind of hard to describe if you haven't been there. And I'm not just saying that because I've been there. But you know, looking when you're going to see it on TV, it's going to look a lot similar. Um, but it's just, it's just your your true classic test of links golf. Players are going to have to deal with the wind. They're going to have to be in the right spots of big greens in order to, you know, hitting the green in regulation isn't isn't as important as being in the right spot in the green in yeah. regulation. You're going to have a lot of spot. You're going to see a lot of guys putting from off the green or very, you know, very long putts, I should say, yeah, off the green. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun test, but it's, it's going to be your classic prototypical British Open where you're going to see a lot of interesting and, and creative golf from a lot of these guys who are going to have to navigate some some difficult conditions they don't see all the time. I know it's not likely, but take away the elements for just two seconds. <sighs> what is this course's defense? Can this course defend itself without a bit of a gale force wind? Uh, I would say it can. Uh, the fairways are probably a little bit tighter than you'd usually see from a normal links course. I mean, you, you go to St. Andrews, a lot of times you have, you know, football yeah. field wide fairways. Right I, I think you're going to have a little bit tighter fairways and you, you kind of have to be in those. Uh, none of the bunkers I thought were all that unfair. It's not like some of your, your classic links courses where you got huge pot bunkers everywhere. And if you're in them, you're, you're in a ton of trouble. Obviously there are going to be a couple of those. Um, but I, I think you got to be in the fairway because if not, you're going to be in the tall, you know, fescue, tall, uh, tall grass and the greens themselves, you got to be in the right spot. And, and these guys are usually capable of being that, but if you're in the wrong spot of a green, you're going to end up three putting a lot and you're going to see a lot of those this weekend. You have to be really good and really creative around the greens. So a, a bit of local knowledge, uh, will go a long way here, hence why Rory McIlroy is far and beyond the favorite here. Mm-hmm. Vegas and everywhere else you look, uh, McIlroy shooting a 61 at Royal Portrush as a 16-year-old. Uh, I believe that was back in, I don't I, I don't know the exact Well, year. I don't know how old it, you know. Rory's what? 12, 12 years ago, something like that? 14 years ago? Yeah. Um, so, Rory knows his way around this place. Also, a little value bet here. You can get him way down the board with long odds. I showed you one this morning. Mm-hmm. Aaron Clark calls this his home club. He also keeps his claret jug there uh, from his win. I believe he was at uh, was he at Turnberry or was it St. Anne's? Uh, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't remember, remember at the moment. But, uh, but Darren Clark would be a long shot to place a few shekels on uh, in my eyes. I believe you already have. I have a $25 bet. Uh, I had him in the top 10. So uh, if, if Darren Clark finishes in the top 10, $25 bet pays a $1,200 plus. So uh, I like there's, some value, there's some value there if local knowledge is going to come into play in any sort of uh, capacity. But It, it seems like British of, Open courses, that's you know where local oh, knowledge absolutely. is most important too because they're the absolutely. most unique these guys see all year. You'll, you'll oftentimes see a guy take a local caddy out if he doesn't have a week-to-week caddy. You know, mm-hmm. there's some guys, some mid-level, low-level guys on tour who do play in these majors who don't have every weekend caddies. I mean, they have their main guys, but if you're over at Royal Port Rush, uh, you almost defer to some local knowledge. But uh, with that in mind, Matt, uh, obviously McElroy, a, a large favorite, as we said. Whose game do you feel fits this course and this tournament this weekend? You know, it's, it's not necessarily whose game fits it, but just a name that has been around 
not only just this year, but it seems like the last two or three years past has been Xander Shoffley. He Good. always seems to be up there. He, he's come really, really close in majors, and he just plays very consistently, and I think that's going to take be what it takes to get it done this week. So I, I, I can see him getting that first major because I think he's the next guy, obviously, after Ricky Fowler, who's that close. Um, and, you know, if Tiger's healthy, I mean, we – which is – that's always the big question. We don't really know how healthy he is. He admitted this week that the, the Masters, he's still kind of feeling some of the uh, the fallout from how much that took out of him. But if he can hit those low stingers and, and be in the fairway like he was last year, this isn't the longest course in the world. You don't have to always be bombing driver. And if he doesn't have to do that, it takes a little bit less less stressful swings, less strenuous swings, doesn't have to pull out the driver all the time. He said himself he's, he's feeling as good around the greens as he has. And I, I think that's probably the most important thing in in this course and British Open courses is being good around the greens, getting yourself, you know, in position to make those one putts. And I think Tiger has a chance if he can hit those stingers and head be good off the tee. As we always do, we we pull for Tiger here. We're We're a Tiger podcast. As as it's well known. But uh, I don't have very high hopes for Tiger this weekend just because of the elements coming into play, the back tightening up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know we've we've long had this one circled as possibly the first one back. He obviously got it done. Have we the checked the forecast for Portrush? Uh, I did see wind direction, and they're, they're, it's going to okay. be up tonight, uh, or excuse me, tomorrow. I don't know how, how we're going to keep track of this, but uh, on Thursday, uh, the wind is supposed Day to be one. up at, uh, 15 to 20 miles an hour, working uh East to west, uh, for those familiar with the layout. Um, but uh, veering off a little bit on Tiger here in those comments, and uh, much is made about every word that Tiger says. But um, did you did you read anything into that, or does this just seem like a guy who uh, is still reeling from that experience, or do you think that he's happy with that being his ride off in the sunset? As much as I hate to say that, I don't think he's happy with that being his ride off in the sunset. I think he's just kind of getting to the point where he's just being himself and he's being honest and upfront with people. I, I don't think he's by any means done or, or thinks he's done, but I also think he knows golf necessarily might not might not necessarily be the most important thing to him anymore now that he does have that Masters that, you know, he, he said he was on you know two-week vacation with his family in Thailand and really didn't touch a golf club. And he, I think he's doing more of those types of things, but no, I don't think by any means he thinks it's a swan song. I think his just expectations in his yeah. old age have become Much a little more, bit real more realistic for himself. Yeah. I think he knows, you know, his days of winning, you know, three or four majors are probably done. He sounded like uh, like the twenty-something who just did four days at Lollapalooza and was just out of serotonin, like he just didn't have anything left. He needed, go, he, need, he needed to go back home to the western suburbs and like come to mom's cooking or something like that before he could go attack Monday at work and he, he hasn't had it uh, those three starts since he uh, since he did win the Masters I believe uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational uh, the US Open and the PGA are the three tournaments that I, he's played in uh, I hope that wasn't a shot at the Western Suburbs Joe oh no it was not that was okay, saying like good. you got you got to go home and like yeah okay, just make sure just, I'm just you know I got to defend the Western Burbs that's all sometimes world gets spinning out there at Lollapalooza you know Everyone's making friends. There's a little too much love in the air. Were, were you a Lala guy in, in high school, college, all that uh, stuff? I did, I, did a, I did a couple of years, and it was only like, I think one day I went one, one year I went one day, and one, the other time I went two years. I don't know how kids like just like it's, strap it on I, for I, like 72 hours. I don't get it. I'll never get it. The, even when I was in college, you know, in my prime, I don't think I could do that for that, you know, many consecutive days, but, you know, more power to them. Meet me but at we the were Perry's. talking about Tiger. Meet me at the Perry stage. Um, yeah, I, I'm coming in with, 
with just about as realistic of expectations as Tiger has had of himself as I do of him this weekend. Um, I'm hoping for it. If it gets going, I think Thursday's going to tell the story because uh, a, a Tiger with a lead or Tiger within three, four of the lead has a much different attitude than Tiger 10 back yeah. on Saturday. You know, there's mm-hmm. not going to be any late charge, I don't think, especially if there's some elements to be dealt with. Now, let's say he is within striking distance of the lead and those elements do hit. You might see him grind it out. You might see him go out there and, and still trot it around and, and, you know, take the rain on the chin and make the most of it. But uh, I think any reason to uh, wave the white flag, uh, Tiger might take it this weekend because it's, it's going to be a grueling test, I think. I mean, you might be right, but we also did. I mean, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast last week. I mean, he's since he's gotten back from vacation, he said after the U.S. Open, you know, he's taken time off and all that stuff. But it seems like since he's taken that time off, he is back to kind of taking this seriously. And, you know, he, he knows he probably took too much time off in between the, uh, the the Masters and the PGA, and that's kind of why he missed the cut there. Um, I don't think he's necessarily waving the white flag. I, I think he might have done what he did to possibly refresh himself a little bit. And I think maybe having that time off, he, might, he was looking for the right balance of time off and preparing himself. So I, I maybe that's the optimist in me, Joe, but I, I'm hoping to see a little bit of a rejuvenated Tiger and maybe more well-prepared Tiger for the elements and what he has to do here. I like where your head's at. Uh, Matt, we got to do it. We always do it. A favorite and a long shot. What do you like? Uh, you know, I, I did this with the U.S. Open, and I, I don't think I'm going to stop now. My favorite is is always going to be Brooks Koepka. Um, and until he starts kind of letting me down in majors, um, I don't think I'm going to bet against him. Uh, so give me that as my favorite. Why, who's your favorite before I pick uh, a long shot? Because I'm looking here. a little bit. Uh, my favorite is Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, some decent odds there as well if you're a yeah. betting man. And I think Tommy's game, uh, just his iron play really, really – uh, is going to be highlighted uh, this weekend uh, at Royal Point Rush. And I also think that around the greens, if he can get it going, um, I, 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 it's kind of a boneheaded reasoning, but I do think a European wins this British Open. I do think someone um, with a little bit of a, a kindred spirit to the mm-hmm. land, uh, loyal to the soil, if you will, comes out uh, victorious this weekend. That's why I like Tommy Fleetwood. I also think Justin Rose is someone to watch. But my Justin Rose is, uh, is definitely someone to watch. My pick is Tommy Fleetwood. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a long shot. You, you went British. I'm going to stick American because this is America last time I checked. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Kevin Kisner. Okay. Uh, he, he's off. His odds are plus 14,000. So, I mean, that, those are pretty, pretty pretty some pretty good value there. Uh, Kiz is good around the greens. He putts well. Um, he doesn't. He's not necessarily terribly long off the tee, but you don't really have to always be in a British Open. He was right there last year at Carnoustie. I, I believe he had a top five finish. If not, he was right there on Sunday. He might have faded a little bit, but I know his name was right up there. So uh, I'm going to go with Kevin Kisner. Plus, I loved the uh, the 1776 hat he was rocking in his Golf Channel interview out from Portrush earlier this week. So that's, uh, I did. That's a mental I, edge for me. He's got the mental I, edge going into the British. I did not. I did not see that, but uh, that definitely is going to come into play in, yeah. in one way. In one way or, one way or another. I'm going to help him or hurt him. Uh, I'm going just a little bit further up the board from Kevin Kisner. Uh, Kiz going off at 125 to one. Uh, at 150 to one is uh, I'm going to go American here. Zach Johnson. Um, That's never a I, bad bet in a British Open. Iron play, British Open. I mean, it's a long shot. Do I think he wins? No, but uh, I think there is 
some decent value there at 150 to one. He he knows what it's like to lift the claret jug. Um, Quite honestly, he, he, he won a claret jug when he was a long shot. I mean, that, that British he that's, won. He, that was, that's true. He, he was out yeah. of his prime. He was out of his, yeah, I'm not sure he ever really had a heyday, but he was out of his, you know, best days when he won that yeah. British. But uh, as we said, uh, a lot of value on the board here. I do think that it's going to be a blast to watch if uh, if you are dedicated enough to wake up in the middle of the night and uh, catch some of this coverage. Luckily enough, out here on the West Coast, I'm I'm going to get two hours before I go to bed here. Uh, yeah, we'll catch we'll catch ten thirty to about twelve thirty. Uh, we'll sleep on it and try and catch Tigers back nine in the morning. So yeah, that's I, I love the British Open. I'm excited to watch a lot of it, and obviously. You touched on it earlier. Anytime you can watch a, a tournament on a course that you've played, I think it makes it. It's it's always much more oh. must-see TV. But the fact that you know it's a British Open. I mean, I'm literally sitting two feet away from my the Open Championship flag at Royal Portrush that I bought, bought in the score or the the clubhouse last year. So I'm I'm so jacked up to watch this tournament. I've been looking forward to it for you know close to 365 days now. Knowing the sights, knowing the sounds, knowing the smells always allow you to put yourself there, and uh, uh, we're hoping that it is another fantastic display of uh, professional golf golf can, at the Open Championship. Can I, can I tell a quick story about my Port Rush? My Port Rush experience, Joe? We were, this is why we have a podcast. We, we, we were on the, it was the fourth tee. It was, it was not a big dog leg left, but it was you know, a slight dog leg left. And I'm a lefty, you know that. Um, the, the rental clubs you get at, at course, obviously they're nicer clubs, but they don't always have you know the right shaft to, to fit the golfer yep. for, per request. So when we got there, uh, Matt they, Seeger they, they was able to accommodate. They couldn't accommodate your wipey power fade. No, they, they, they really could not. So I was I, I swing and I, my driver is an extra stiff. I okay. I requested a stiff shaft because nice. I saw because because our, our good friend Matt Seeger got those. I was like, hey, can I get those too? He's like, yeah, no, we don't have that for a lefty. We just have regular. Um, so I for the for the non golfer out there that that's a huge difference that's that's two um, you know stiffness levels down it basically felt like when I was swinging that driver on the range it was kind of like a whiplash effect to it so I was already uh-huh. kind of losing didn't have much control first couple tees I was not feeling the driver very well I was losing everything left because the club was trailing behind me our caddy Dr- on the fourth driver tee. impotence uh, driver impotence sure let's go with that I'm using the word stiff a lot on this podcast but you know it's after dark so it's fitting. Um, the, the, the fairway kind of dog legs to the left and off to the right, straight off the tee is the, the president of the club's house and, and the caddy, the caddies, you know, told us that made sure to mention that, you know, that's where the president lives. It's like, okay, cool. You know, I'm losing everything left. I'm going to aim this right at his backyard. That way, you know, the, the, this, this fits yeah. my fate perfectly. Perfect. That's what I do. I am right at this guy's backyard. I wind up and I absolutely rip a, rip an absolute bullet of a drive as dead straight as you possibly could right into the president's backyard. I didn't hear any cracks or, or you know, or shatters, thankfully, but uh, one of my golf balls is very possibly still sitting in a tree in that backyard somewhere. So Fantastic. I'd like to think a little part of me has been left behind at Royal Portrush. Well, uh, on Sunday when the president is presenting the Claret Jug, uh, or if he's standing behind there, uh, we, will, we will think fondly of the one good drive you hit overseas. Hey, I hit more than one. That was just hey, the first of them. It was the club's fault. It was the club's fault. It was the club's uh, fault. Matt, uh, I know we could sit here and talk golf all day, but you do have a flight to catch tomorrow morning as well. Uh, the, the annual baseball trip, is it? The, the, the Rooney baseball trip. Uh, we we have nice. an Im, me and me and Tim, my brother, have an impromptu uh, opening night in San Francisco, yeah, and then we're, we'll uh, we're we're meeting the group in, in Portland. We're hitting a couple stops in Oregon, and then finishing up in Seattle. An Pacific Northwest stop. 
an opening night in San Francisco to watch the Red Hot. Red Hot. They are. Both the Giants and the A's right now are humming. Well, the the A's started the All-Star break against the White Sox. So I, I kinda, That's true. That doesn't really count with how they're um, playing right now. But we won't we get jump, into that. I don't want to get mad. Well, but before we do jump into some buy or sell, early takeaways of the second half uh, were all the panickings on the north side. Uh, nothing but scuttlebutt. Is this is this another uh, at least NL pennant contender, do you think? It's, it's an NL pennant contender because they are still the favorites in the NL Central. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as the, the Cubs might have scuffled towards the end of the first half there, the entire division scuffled with them. Nobody wanted yeah. to pull away, and the Cubs still went in the break. I believe a half game ahead of the Brewers. Uh, they've come out hot, no doubt about it, but I'd still like to see what they do against a little bit better of competition. Obviously, the Reds have given the problems all year, but the Reds are still, you know, a 43 and 50 team. The the Pirates are not a very good team. I think they've, they're like one and five out of the All Star break. So the, the Cubs certainly look better right now. They look the part. And if you Darvish is the you Darvish we've seen his last two starts, that's certainly a huge help to them. It's an encouraging start, but I still think you want to see it against a little bit better competition. I believe they have the Padres coming up, so while that's not necessarily a division leader, that's more of a playoff contender than they've seen, so I think that'll be an interesting one for them. Well, uh, it'd be a fun second half to watch the NL Central. One of few pennant, or excuse me, one of few divisional races uh, right now, so uh, all eyes, perhaps, in the MLB going to be on the NL Central. I think Coast someone behind someone behind the Cubs needs to go out and make a move if they're going to catch them. I know it's only two and a half games right now, yep. but they got Cole Hamels coming back off the DL soon. They just got Kyle Hendricks. Someone in the NL Central, probably the Brewers, needs to go out and add either a starting pitcher or, or fill a big need with a big name at the deadline, I think, if they're going to catch the Cubs. Otherwise, I think it's their division. Matt, all of that said, uh, we got to allow you the, the proper time to pack your swimsuit with sunscreen, so why don't we jump in a little by ourselves? Let's do it. All right. Uh, are you going to lead things off? You want me to? Uh, I can lead things off. I, I'm, I'm going to lead things off because I think I have a couple of bonuses. So. Okay. Uh, I, I love let me, bonuses. Let's uh, jump right in. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to start with football because this is uh, after golf. It's football pod. We love football here. Um, we'll have those football Wait, season. We'll have those football I thought uh, I was going first. I thought you just said you go first. Okay. No, you, you start. You start. I, no, I insist. I'm, I'm teasing. No, I insist. Okay. No, 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 well, I'm no, going no, no. to start football here, Joe. You want me to start? Just pick a, pick a damn starter. No, no, no. All you right. go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. I insist. Keep interrupting me. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Madden ratings, uh, Madden, oh, obviously the video course, game ratings the came out, ratings. and obviously mm-hmm. they're not terribly relevant. But sometimes they give you a little bit more of a peek at what the national um, perspective is on, on players on your team. Uh, Mitch Trubisky's came out rating came out. Did you see the the Madden ratings that came out? Did you see what Mitch got? I did. I, I ignore them pretty wholeheartedly. I do too. But you know, I just thought it was it was getting talked about. It was getting a little of run. Course. Mitch Trubisky, I believe, was like the twenty first ranked quarterback in Madden. He's a seventy five overall. But I think I think he was below Jameis Winston. Yeah. Um, so I know you're you're ignoring it, but if you if you had to buy or sell Mitch's Madden rating of a 75, uh, what are you doing? Uh, I'm selling it, but Thank not you. by not by a ton. Um, I think that you know to make the game fun, a lot of times these guys get bumped up a couple points. Um, quarterbacks should be in the 80s, 90s, just to make the game fun and competitive. I think that Mitch is. I mean, if we're going to say Madden rating wise in the '80s, do I think he's? I had him 81, I, 82. Do That's I where think I got Mitch right now? 
do I think he's the 21st best quarterback in the NFL? No, I think he's uh, well above that. But um, uh, I think that you can point to 10, 12 guys that are still head, not head and shoulders, but that, that are still. You'd take if you had to take for one game right now that you'd take. Over Mitch. There's probably 12 to 15 guys, maybe, that I take over Mitch. Um, just because he has so much to prove still. Do I think ceiling-wise, if, if the question is one game, yeah, there's a big group that I take over Mitch. If the question is build a franchise around because you think of this player having a high ceiling, uh, you think of this player having time and uh, and potential, then I think Mitch is a, a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. But mm-hmm. um, do I think he's a 75 overall on a rating of 1 to 100? No, I think he's better than that. I, I think he's a, he's a damn professional. I mean, it's it's kind of what we've been saying since the beginning of last season is is last year, you know, you wanted to see some positive steps, but really year two in this offense, this system is, is what is going to, you know, start to define who he actually is as a quarterback and kind of the steps he takes. Because last year, I think we all liked what we saw from him last year. It's hard not to go in 12 and four um, and seeing kind of what the offense looked like without him. But you knew there were going to be a little bit of growing pains and you're just kind of looking at flashes. This year is – it hasn't changed since what we were talking about much last year. This is the year that's going to define him. Obviously, last year was a nice positive step, but he still needs to take that big step forward this year. Um, from all indications, it sounds like he's, he's doing very well in camp and meeting rooms and all that. But at the same time, we're not going to know anything until we kick off. However, I think it's under 60 days now. Uh, you know, at Soldier Field when the Packers come to town, so that's when we're going to start to see things. But I, I think the seventy-five is a little bit disrespectful to a twelve and four quarterback. I also think that uh, the guys who come out in protest of their Madden scores are the worst. Yeah, like come uh, on, like just come on. I, I understand it's your dream to be on a video game and you should be respected with the way that you play, but uh, get get your head in the playbook, uh, maybe. Maybe play with a different team when you're with Madden. You should be playing with your team. Anyway. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't think that. I think that uh, it should be out of sight, out of mind for these guys making uh, seven, eight figures uh, to play football. I think that uh, you should have enough uh, self confidence, uh, enough belief in your own game to, to let a, a Madden, Madden rating go right up. Yeah, the, and, I, and I don't think Mitch. I don't think Mitch even commented on it. No, the, the Bears did. The Bears released like a fun, quick video. I think it was Chase Daniel like reading Madden ratings to like four or five other yeah, guys. Okay, it's a fun yeah, one. That's that. that's something. But then there was Keenan Allen who was like, I think yeah, he went on like was, a two or three tweet like yeah. rant about how like I'm boycotting the game until like what like dude just it's a it's a video well, game. Well, damn! Rating. Now like, I can't play. Now I can't play Keenan Allen. I'm well, damn! Right. I can still be the Chargers and Madden and play with Keenan Allen if I want to. So I really don't care if you're boycotting the game. Huge bummer. Huge bummer. <laughs> Why don't we move on? Yeah, we're going to head back across the pond, uh, recapping last Sunday's uh, Wimbledon final between Joker and Federer, or Djokovic and Federer. Um, it was a five-hour epic, went the distance. Uh, we got to see the new tie break in the format, all of it. Um, it was captivating television, whether you understand the game, love the game, or are a casual watcher like myself. Uh, I sat down and watched four and a half hours of tennis uh, on Sunday. And my question is, buy or sell, Sunday was the true passing of the torch from Federer to Djokovic as the game's greatest player. I don't think I'm ready to buy that yet because I, what I think we saw from, from Roger is that he's still kind of got it. I don't think he's ready to go away just yet. Uh, again, I don't follow tennis quite 
uh, even as closely as you do. I'm, I'm usually, you know, I, I see who wins most things, but I'm not really watching Wimbledon. It's just about everything I tune into. But it seemed like there was a couple year low. Well, it might have been seen, seeming that Roger was fading away a little bit. And then you kind of see him in Wimbledon beating Nadal. He went as, you know, the absolute distance as, you could, as, as far as you could possibly go and losing to Djokovic. And there were times where he probably should have won that match. So I don't think he's necessarily ready to be done or hanging things up yet. Um, so I, I'm going to sell that for now. I think you're, you're, we're close to getting to that point, and that might happen in a year or two. But uh, I'm not sure Roger's quite ready to, uh, to to give up that torch just yet. Yeah, I, I, it was it was an amazing it was an amazing display to me. It did, in a way, feel like a passing of the torch because uh, tennis, more than anywhere else, uh, with with the difference in surfaces, you, you have a feeling of who is the favorite where. Yeah. And, and Roger's biggest advantage is on the grass, on center court at Wimbledon. That That's where Roger is at his best. Um, it's where he's always been at his best. Uh, that's where, I believe, what, he has eight under his belt. It's right, it, I believe. If you just look at the sheer numbers of it, Djokovic has won so many majors in such a short amount of time that he, if he plays the span, if he has a career length of Fed, even if it was to end today at 38 years old or whatever, 42 years old, mm-hmm. whatever it is, he's going to have seven, eight more, something like that, than, than Fed does, including all of them. Like, you look to the Australian Open and on the clay, it's still Nadal. You look to all these places, uh, you look to the U.S. Open and it's kind of up in the air between Djokovic and Nadal. Um, Fed on the hard court isn't as dangerous. Like, that's where Fed can make his money still, make his cake, is at Wimbledon. And to see him upended, uh, struggling in tie breaks as he did throughout the entire mm-hmm. match, it did feel like Joker at least took that Wimbledon mantle from him a little bit on Sunday. Well, I can't, uh, you know, I, I don't know tennis nearly well enough as, as you or as you know anybody who really follows it closely to be able to uh, to dispute that education educatedly. So I, I, I will bow out from that. But from what I, I will say, you talked about beginning this question, how awesome that, well, I, I'm still buying that you know, Federer <laughs> isn't done yet. Um, uh, I, I, from what you said introducing that question, that was one of the most – I'm not a tennis fan. I usually just watch Wimbledon, but that's as entertained, as glued to a TV as I have been watching a sporting event in, in, you know, in quite some time, probably since the NBA Finals. And even then, it was kind of more like looking at my phone, looking at the TV. That one I was pretty glued to it, and uh, that one was a lot of fun to watch. Put tennis players right up at the top of my underappreciated athletes. Dude, they were playing. The, they were playing their sport, their match for five hours straight. Literally five. I mean, they had minute breaks every. You know what? Twenty minutes. They, they sat I don't for care. Move, that's not. That's not. Move, move laterally for five minutes and see how you feel. Let alone five hours. It's. it's uh, it, it takes a special type of athlete. That was. That was uh, fantastic to watch. It's yeah. right. It's right up there with the guys who can run two, three hundred yard shuttles back to back. Yeah. Hey, I didn't. All right, it's my turn, so I, I'm going of to course. keep it. I'm going to keep us on the gridiron because honestly, I know we're, we're getting itching. Close to, we're, we're itching. We're, it's it's you know next week's the last week in July. We're we're getting to the point of reporting to camp, so uh, this is we're we're back. We're football. It, football's back. Um, SEC and I think ACC media day. All the conferences are are having their media days. Um, Alabama and Clemson are already trash-talking each other. I believe it started with Clemson, who I, I don't remember the player. You'll have to excuse me. Um, he said at their media day that 
Notre Dame was actually the best team they faced all year last year, not Alabama. And I, well, I'll take that as a compliment. So Notre Dame. Love back. it. Um, and then I, uh, one of Bama's linebackers fired back saying, you know, our best are still better than Clemson's best. So neither of these two teams have have each other on their schedule, obviously, because why would they? Uh, buy or sell, Bama and Clemson already get into the trash talk at each other. Uh, I buy it just because any sort of headline uh, I can buy 50 days out of uh, football is is a headline I will buy. Uh, I also do think that until I see otherwise, we're on another collision course for Bama Clemson. Like until you give me another matchup, I will assume we are headed for Bama Clemson. So if we can get 13 or or if we're starting out, if we can get uh, 25 to 30, I'm I'm, I'm spitballing here. I'm I'm ballparking here. 30 weeks of Bama Clemson uh, scuttlebutt. Hype. uh, Hype. hype, That's the second scuttlebutt. It's late. Um, scuttlebutt's get, a good word. It is. If you can't can over get, scuttlebutt. If we can get thirty weeks of lead up to that matchup, I'm all in for it. That's fair. I, I, I'm not necessarily against it. I'm not sure I would be the one who would be at the podium, you know, starting that, talking about that. <laughs> I'd probably say something along the lines of, you know, we have a bunch of tough games, and if it gets to that point, sure, whatever. But if that's what gets these guys going, I mean, they're they're all eighteen to twenty two year olds, and if that's what gets them going, kind of gets them fired up, ready for camp, I'm I'm all for it. Because, like you said, yeah. you said it very well. Until proven otherwise, I'm going to kind of expect we're going to see this matchup this year at some point. Matt, uh, we're going to take things uh, to the social media ranks here. And uh, yesterday, uh, the the social media world was taken by storm by the old version of ourselves. Uh, the, yeah. the Face oh, yeah. app, the Face app, uh, took over yesterday. And uh, unfortunately, I'm told that it was a uh, a Russian-made app that now has a database of all the faces. But, uh, Suckers. But we digress here. Uh, Matt, buy or sell, because I know you made one, the old version of yourself. So I actually didn't make one. I, someone made one of me. Okay. Buy or sell um, the old version I of bought yourself. it, man. I look good. If that's what I'm looking like in 50 <laughs> years, I'll take it. And you like I, it? oddly enough, the picture that um, you know one of my friends used of me was me wearing my two, 2019 Masters hat, and okay. I will absolutely still be rocking that hat 50 years from now. Uh, so actual and good looking. I look pretty good. You know, the, the face obviously aged a little bit. I had a nice looking white beard though. I looked yep. like I was still in pretty good shape. I'll take okay. it. I think old me. If that if I'm if I'm looking like that at 77, all right, sign me up. I'm good. Matt, uh, I just want to pass along some information. It just changes the face, not the body. So okay, well, I'm to, just going to... You're going to have to maintain the body on your own. I respectfully disagree. Okay. In my own brain. Um, I'm buying I'm buying too. I'm taking it. Um, did, did you did you tweet old version of Joe? Uh, I, old version of Joe made an Instagram story. Uh, I don't remember. Highlight there. So uh, I'm sure you look version, great, though. Uh, yeah, it was the salt and pepper. Uh, it's big, big zaddy vibes, so... It, wasn't wasn't mad about it at all. You you know it was weird. Like uh, certain people, obviously, you know, some people had like you you did. You said the salt and pepper look. Um, you know they, they always say your hair. A good way to see how your hair is going to you know color is looking at your maternal grandfather. And okay. my maternal grandfather had you know white hair when he grew you know facial hair. You know was, was straight white as well. And in my oh. picture, it was all white. I had white hair. I had a white beard. I don't know what's going on here, but Russians. Like, Russian they know things going on, and Russia. I don't. Yeah, I just I thought that's kind of weird. You know, a little bit. I deleted the app. Yeah, I, I would probably. I didn't even download it. 
but my <laughs> face is out there, so I guess yeah, it doesn't really you, matter. Um, yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. You've been compromised. That's okay. I've probably uh, been compromised long before this. <laughs> um, I'm going to open up my question here. Uh, I'm sticking kind of to social media, but also football because it's football season. Um, we, the, the story came out on, on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Baker Mayfield got married over the weekend. Um, and he congrats Baker. Uh, hopefully that doesn't affect your play going into the season. Hopefully you're not too distracted. Um, Baker met his wife, got it, got to know his wife, got her degree to go out with him by continuously following and unfollowing her on Instagram Love to that. get the, to get the, well, now you just, okay. So you're going to buy it obviously. <laughs> uh, but he can to, to get the attention. He just kept doing that. So his notification with his name would buy, would pop up on her notifications, Joe, buy or sell Baker's courting of his eventual wife. Oh, it's, it's the, the perfect, it's the perfect level of desperate. And I it's think smart. That- and I think that the ends justify the means. And if this girl needed to get followed by Baker Mayfield multiple times, like she's playing hard to get, I respect her Good for her. as I well. I respect it. Now, I forget her name. Um, it's something with an E. Emily Wilkinson, something like that. That sounds right. I believe that. So Emiliana, something like that. Yeah. She is a she is a Lincoln, Nebraska girl. So she is also. Uh, did you know also, her? I, I did not, but uh, my lovely girlfriend Shelby did. Um, oh. Actually, knew we, they knew each other growing up. So, so are you gonna have, get Baker on the pot? Uh, we're hoping. We're hoping. We're gonna we're gonna throw a feeler out there. But uh, a man a man after my own heart falling in love with a girl from the heartland. Like, what can you say about that? Um, other than other than go big red. It's an Oklahoma boy falling in love with a Nebraska girl, Joe. He's Baker's lucky the Nebraska Bowl from the Big 12. How, how Shakespearean? How Shakespearean yeah, of him? That's a good point. I didn't Unre- read much Shakespeare, but that's Romeo unrequ- and Juliet. Unrequited love, Matt. The, the Capulets and the Montagues. You know? uh, sometimes, um, sometimes love finds a way. Joe's word of the week, unrequited? Unrequited, yes. Or requited. Joe's- What's no because un, unrequited, unrequited. Well, yeah, but like, what is because un is obviously just not requited. So, what does requited mean? Unrequited means like uh, unreturned love, or uh, or uh, uh, not unreturned. Well, it like was a, clearly returned. An unallowed love, like a, a okay, disallowed forbidden. love, forbidden. Uh, forbidden. Yes, 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 yes. Perfect. Yes. So now it's Matt's word of the week. Now it's I, Matt. I you just you just stole word of the week. So In your face. You. Who's the smart uh, one now? Well done. Well done. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see who's the smart one here because we're gonna solve all of baseball's problems as we do on a weekly basis, Matt. That's our uh, thing. By yourself, baseball has a home run problem, and I'm saying this not in terms of the ball and there being too many home runs, but uh, I, I heard a very interesting conversation on local talk radio out here today, and it kind of spurred my mind a little bit. Um, I forget who it was, but it was a, it was a baseball writer of America, one of the old heads, um, kind of waxing poetic about how. MLB is doing a better job this year in terms of social media and visibility, but they are leaning on the home run where you have guys like Christian Yelich who are chasing uh, triple crowns, where you have pennant races, where you have all of these other things. Do you think that the MLB has put too much stock into the home run from a social media standpoint and uh, I, I guess in turn down the line? winding those balls up and leaning on the home run? Uh, I, I think I will buy that because First off, you and I have multiple times called for you know Major League Baseball to improve their social media policies and all that. They, they've gotten a better social media presence, obviously, and it's better now than it was. And as good as the home run is for you know social media and turning things around and, and you know getting posts out on you know Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, 
it's not as great for the on-field product, the, you know, watching on TV, the being in the stadium product as mm-hmm. they might think. Obviously, it's always exciting to see someone hit home run, but it doesn't do much for helping the action of the game because hitting a home run is essentially the same type of action as striking out or as, you know, flying out to center field. There's still not a lot going on. It's still one person hitting and one person, you know, going after the ball, whereas you're still not seeing, you know, extra base hits. You're not seeing as many doubles because of the, essentially the shift and how often, you know, players fielding, um, managers are allowed to you know shift their players to take away certain things to players or hit certain hitters you're not allowed to see as many you know doubles you're not allowed to see as many base hits you're not seeing as many stolen bases because people aren't, aren't getting out so you're not seeing as much actual you know live action you're just seeing balls hit really far which is still fun don't get me wrong there's, there's yeah, nothing get, wrong with a good 400 foot home run but you're still not seeing a ton of actual action on the field i get what you're saying but Baseball is a game of moments. Like, even the longest play, let's say, uh, you know, uh, bases loaded, down by two, gapper, guy's got to score from first, uh, center fielder makes a perfect play on a ball off the wall, gets cut off, cut off home, and you get a play at the plate. It's still only, what, a 20-second play tops? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not a game of extended moments. It's a game of short immediate moments. That's why I think the home run is great for baseball. I do understand and I do agree that maybe baseball can do a better job of highlighting other parts of the game, but I still think the home run is the best part of the game. I'm with you there. I'm just saying in terms of you know the action you have on field when you're there, it's not do like one of the main complaints is there's too much standing around. There's not enough going on, and I yeah, still think like, you're not seeing uh, as much. That don't and I'm. Paul Konerko pulls one over the bullpen. You get to high-five strangers for like 20 seconds as he rounds the bases. There's yeah, but how about that. when Paul Konerko in Tampa hit one off the cat, uh, popped one up off the catwalk and ended up hitting it inside the park home run? Yeah, that was awesome. That was, that was sweet. Slight, yeah, but more confusing <laughs> than exciting, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. For those uh, not familiar with local rule at the trap. <laughs> uh, anything off the catwalk is live. <laughs> Played as it lies, which is wild. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything else for me, Matt? Because I have I, one more for you. I also got one more for you. I'm, I'm okay, going to yeah. stick to another social media trend here. I'm, I'm all about football and social media. Yeah, we're going digital. Here. Um, are you aware of the, the Area 51 storming uh, idea group that was that was formed, I think, believe it was on Facebook, right? As, got, as, much, as much as I tried to avoid that stupidity, um, yes, I'm aware. Again, you're giving away your answer here. You know? I'm sorry. But I'm going to ask you, buy or sell the idea of a million-plus people deciding to storm Area 51? From like a logic standpoint or from like, an, like, from like what? Like what am I – I'm selling it because – Just everything about it. There's going to be mass casualties of America. Do you think they can get in? Um, natural selection uh, in itself uh, has a way of weeding things out. But I digress. No, I don't think they can get in. I think Area 51 is a government training facility. Whether or not there's aliens are there, that's beyond the point. Any government facility, when made aware of a threat, whether it be one person or a million idiots who signed a petition who aren't going to fly to Vegas and then make an 85-mile drive to Area 51, let's say you get a tenth of the people there, let's say 100,000 people show up, there will be no road open for you to get within 10 miles of Area 51. We're talking about the government here. They're aware of a threat. It's not going to happen. They're not going to rescue any aliens. If you're thinking about doing it, call a sponsor because you're not 
healthy yourself. Call me or Joe. We'll answer. Yeah, no, don't Maybe. call. No, I probably don't, not. I don't have time for the, that sort of stupidity. Um, Matt, and I know you signed the petition, so don't you know. go there. Oh, well, I did not. I'm actually, I'm going on vacation, so actually, like, you're right. Don't call me. I'm going to be on vacation. Where are you going on vacation to, though? San Francisco. Mm. The, the, uh, the, the dots are starting to connect here. Late San, at night. San Francisco is not Las Vegas, Joe. San Francisco. All right, you're right. That's fair. It's, and it's, I, I know it's, it is west of me, so I guess yeah. anywhere west of me is me going to Area 51. Um, Matt, bonus uh, bonus question here before we go. We're, we're going to bring it back full circle to uh, to the British Open. Okay. Hypothetical situation. You drain a putt. Uh, you, you win the British Open. You hoist the Claret Jug. Uh, you bring home, because you don't get to bring home the Claret Jug. The Claret Jug goes back into the blocker. You get a replica. Um, you get to spend the night at the facility with, with the, the Claret, Claret Jug. jug. Goes right back in the wherever it goes, uh, but you go home. You're on the private jet. You get back to whatever celebration. Private jet would be so cool with all your loved ones. What's getting poured into the jug? What is the first drop of liquid poured into the jug? <sighs> wow, that's a great question. And you really, this this one's grapefruit totally on the truly? spot, folks. He, uh, whew, wow, grapefruit truly. <laughs> you know, I just. Honestly, if I got to go with the first thing, I, I think I just got to go with with an ice cold Coors Light, Joe. Ooh, I know it's I know it's basic, I know it's classic, but you know that's that's where it got started for me. And I think yep. they were talking about bringing things full circle. I, I, obviously, I'd have a as the as, as the months would would go on, weeks go on, I'd have a whole lot in there, a whole lot of different uh, alcohols, there drinks. There you go. But I think the first thing you got to go with nostalgic, a little something close to home. I think I'd pour myself and the old man a nice Coors Light, out of out of the Claret jug. You know the you know the jug mountains are always blue. So, yeah, uh, let's see. You're telling I me. Think, I think uh, you, you're you know, going with a nice uh, 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 full-bodied red. Full body. You took the words out of my mouth. A full-bodied red. It's like uh, I know you or something. A Bordeaux, something real pricey. You know, Phil poured uh, a forty thousand dollar bottle of wine into the jug after winning it. I think you got to one up Phil find like a, a bottle for like a light 50k and fill her up yeah i just go with the three dollar can of beer um either way you uh, know what no i'd buy a keg you'd buy a keg i'd buy a keg and you'd what tap it with the claret jug we could do that that's not that that's a good idea thinking. uh we are digressing here at the moose and roots podcast late at night on the uh midwestern time zone uh slightly less late two hours is what i'm told uh, on the Pacific time zone. If my math's I've, correct. I've got uh, British Open golf to watch. You've got a bag to pack. Matt, uh, why, don't you, why don't you say goodbye to the people, give them uh, give them your, your, your peace, your greetings. You know, it's it'll be nice to be in the same time zone as you again, even though I didn't get to see any of you last time you were in the same time zone. But it's still nice to, to bond with each other knowing we're on the same, same clock, right? Isn't that kind of nice? Yeah. That, Looking I, think call that, I think they call that, uh, I think they call that kismet. Kismet. Kismet? I, I, you know, you're the vocab guy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so you're asking not, the wrong guy. Our love is not unrequited, Matt. I think everyone knows how we feel about each other. There it is. I get that. That's, there you go. Just bring things full circle. It's like you. <laughs> it's like we do this for a living. Some, something like that. It's going to do it for the episode 112 of the Moose News Podcast. Thank you for bearing with us here on an evening recording of the pod. You know what? Shout out us, by the way. I think this was the most together we've kept an after dark episode because usually in your in in episodes past i feel like there's been at least two times where we kind of burst out in laughter yeah. and lose each other for a good 30 seconds i think this is the most kept together well kept we've been i might have to might have to stock up on some truly 
Yeah, next next time will be three beers, three beers slash Trulies deep before we start the pod, just for just you guys. Case. Just in case. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you as always for tuning in. Hit us up on Twitter with the mailbag questions. We got a couple more weeks to tie this over before the football season. We'll have all your previews coming up. Start sending some football questions if you got. That's right. That's right. Like, how do footballs get made? Where do footballs get made? Like, actual questions about football, not about the sport. No. We don't know anything about the sport. As we said, we had it together, but we are digressing. So, Matt, I'm going to say goodbye. You say goodbye first. Later. You you say goodnight. It's vacation. It's vacation time. It's vacation. Yeah. Go enjoy your vacation. Thanks as always, Moose Moose listeners. We'll see you next week for episode 113. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>